smoking Joe Frazier, the hell raiser, raising hell with the flavor, terrorize the jam like troops in Pakistan, swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider-Man, so all tick-tock and keep ticking, when I get you flipping off the shit, I'm kicking, the Lone Ranger, co-wet, danger, deep in the dark with the art, to rip the charts apart, the It is the season the six finale. Of DFS MVP, 444.com's DFS MVP. I'm holding with TJ Hernandez, 444's director of DFS. Episode number 153. Before we get started, oh, TJ, tell us about the music. I'm so happy you played this. Closing out the season with an all time classic uh, Wu Tang Clan, Protect Your Neck from the 1993 debut album enter the wu-tang 36 chambers uh everybody should love that one if you do love it and you want to hear more of the great intro music from our podcast go to spotify search dfs mvp or look for it on my twitter i usually tweet it out along with the podcast if you really want to do something nice for yourself and for four 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 it is uh, how do you like the way i said four for four there four <laughs> yeah. for four uh sign up now dfs sub has dropped to 14 bucks dfs mvp so we got a short slate recap yeah if you and- want to uh check out some strategy on the short slates um go back to the the week 11 podcast that we talked about uh really dove deep into short slates and then i've put kind of uh notes on that podcast at the beginning of all of our content for the short slate so check those out Man, I uh, struggled last week. My one lineup that did well was my Rodgers lineup, Mm -hmm. and the other four lineups just did not do well. So I'm going to try and do a little better this week. Let's start with these two champ. We're going to do these two championship games. We got the Bucks and the Packers. We got the Bills and the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. And let's just start here with the Bucks and the Packers. Packers three three and a half point favorites. Totals fifty one. If you look over at the other game, um, the total there is fifty four. So slightly lower total, but. Mm Uh, here we go. Like Rogers and Adams. Let's do this. Uh, Adams is 8,900 on FanDuel, 8K on DK. Rogers is 8,700 FanDuel, 6.5 on DK. You know, before we get into that, what the hell is DraftKings doing? They turned into FanDuel. Like everything's affordable. You can play whoever <laughs> yeah, you sure. want this week. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's only so many um, combinations you could get on, on the slate. I, I think the reason it feels like that is because we don't have any stud running backs, right? I mean, we'll obviously get into it. Aaron Jones, um, he's only 6,500 on DraftKings, $8,000 on FanDuel, but like there isn't a running back that is a must play. So it just opens up things a lot. Um, So it just makes for an interesting slate, unique slate. Obviously, as we get into these plays, we're going to be talking about the players we like the most, the matchups, but anybody that's playing any significant number of snaps, like anywhere even close to 50% snap share, um, they're they're in your player pool. Uh, So we're going to talk about how we like to approach these games from from matchup standpoint and DFS standpoint. Um, But if you have a strong draw anyway, the the whole thing about these two game slates or these super short slates is building around a game flow. So if you like, you know, um, whatever, a a Tampa Bay onslaught um, and you want to throw a Scotty Miller in there to be unique, like those, those are in play. We're like, we're not going to go through every situation like that. Um, but just know that, uh, yeah, with with this wide open salary, with the way we need to be trying to get unique around um, such a short slate, those are things that are in play. It's gonna be fun. I, I really am looking forward to this. One. It is a really good. It is a really good two game slate. Like sometimes these two game slates, like you look at it and just 
there's one team that's just so dominant that you feel like you're really fading. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's either like fade this, um, and that's how all the money swings. Like every offense is really in play this week. I think you could make an argument for onslaughts of every offense. I think that we have four terrific offenses, which mm-hmm. is why, again, we're kind of excited about this. So let's yeah. start with the Green Bay guys. Yep. We're Rodgers and Adams, and you got to think, like, that is the chalk build. A lot yeah. of that. A lot of that. Yeah, I don't know if how Audre, how Rodgers will shake out compared to um, compared to Mahomes and Allen. I, I think we'll probably see them all somewhat close to hmm. each other. I'm not sure how the how the public is going to react to um, Mahomes' injury. Not even his concussion, his his toe as well. But we'll get into that. I, I my guess is that they'll they'll slightly edge out Rodgers. Um, like. I mean, again, there's only four guys, so like anybody over 30 percent, that's that's high, right? Because if you split it up evenly, it'd be all four quarterbacks getting 25 percent. So I think Rodgers will be around that like 25 percent range, um, with with Brady falling a little bit behind, and and then um, Allen and and Mahomes getting over 30 percent. But yeah, I mean, the the big decision point this week is going to be which high end wide receivers we pay up for. And I think Adams is still at the top of that list in terms of uh, floor and ceiling just because he sees such a high percentage of targets from Aaron Rodgers. He's basically their goal line back. So if we look at the big four pass catchers this week, we have Adams, Diggs, Tyreek, and Travis Kelsey. And we'll get into those later as well. But I, I like Adams just as a standalone play. Um, he's still my my favorite elite guy, and he is the pass catcher that I want in there. Uh, this game sets up where if you do want to be stacking uh, the Rodgers or the Packers side, I really like that as well. It's it's going to be again a little nothing's going to be super contrarian. Probably a little bit less popular than Mahomes and um, Allen, but this Tampa Bay defense is one that is a true pass funnel. If we look at 4-for-4 four four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, they finished the season bottom 10 in adjusted fantasy points to quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends, but second versus running backs. The Buccaneers faced the highest passing rate in neutral game script, and what people are going to look at, really interesting, both of these games are rematches of, of Week 6, which is just a funny coincidence, um, but I, I think probably the... The Bills-Chiefs game is one that we could draw a little bit more insight from. If you remember this Packers game back in Week 6, it was really their their floor game of the season. I don't think Rodgers even threw a touchdown, uh, threw a pick six, and then everything just snowballed from there, and the Buccaneers smoked the Packers. Uh, in terms of how both of these, not even both these teams, both of these games, I mean, it might as well be a, a different season. It's so long ago, week six. Um, but the reason that I really think you could separate these two games in terms of looking back is the Packers really turned a corner after that game. Uh, and the reason they struggled against the Buccaneers is that in that game is because Rodgers was just getting destroyed by the Blitz. I think both of his interceptions came against the Blitz, and then he was just getting smoked up the middle, um, took quite a few sacks in that game. Leading up to that game and including that game, Rodgers was 25th in IQR against pressure. That's Sports Info Solutions kind of advanced measurement of uh, quarterback rating, independent quarterback rating that that takes things like um, drops and and 
uh, accounts for situation. Uh, so against pressure, basically, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league near the bottom in completion rate, near the bottom in yards per attempt. And that isn't overly weighted by that game. Even in the first five weeks of the season, Rodgers was really struggling against pressure. Since then, since week seven through the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers is second in IQR against pressure. So I don't think we can just look at that game and say, oh, he struggled against the blitz. Buccaneers are going to blitz him and he's going to struggle again. Buccaneers do struggle a lot, but Green Bay really figured something out. I think that that Bucks just exploited a weakness and the Packers kind of turned that into a strength. And we've seen that against in uh, in the numbers when Rodgers has been pressured since week seven, he's thrived. So uh, take that game with a grain of salt for sure. Well, that's when it all changed. Yeah, exactly. and that was it. So, yeah, I'm looking at that game saying good luck trying to get pressure on him again. Exactly. And it's kind of that way with Brady, too, on the other side. Sure. He sure. had struggled really not through his whole career, but especially mm-hmm. toward the end of his career with the Patriots. Yep. He was just he was paralyzed by pressure. And we've seen the offensive line do a pretty good job these first two rounds. Yeah, and if definitely. they can do it again, then I think we're going to get a classic game, TJ. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Let's uh, let's keep going here. As we talked about the uh, the big boys, obviously. Yep. So where do you want to go next? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Last show here, I just X'd out of our syllabus. It all <laughs> the- went to hell. Hold on. I got it up and I'm back. Let's go all to right. Tunyon, yeah. the Lazard King, and MVS. Because they're all in play. And I think my favorite one of these guys this week, don't laugh at me, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. No, it's, it's um, I mean we I hate were it. on no it's so all of these games were going to be we we know who who the 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 big players are in each offense and what we're really going to be the the big decision points are going to be if we're stacking the offenses who do you want as an ancillary piece or as a, a contrarian piece uh, in those game stacks, or who do you want as like a contrarian bring back option? Basically, who's going to be our contrarian one-off plays? So when we're looking at the Packers, it, it's Tunyon Lazard or MVS. Uh, we nailed Lazard last week; that was exciting. And if we kind of look at uh, how the offense has has been trending, it looks like Lazard could have another big game. NVFs and Lazard had equal targets last week. Um, they both had about 24% of Aaron Rodgers tar- targets. Tunyon's kind of fallen off the map with only um, less than three targets per game over the last month, including the playoffs for the Packers, including that last game. So, I mean, Tunyon, sure, you can bet on a touchdown and, and all, any tight end is going to con- be contrarian off of Kelsey. It's Kelsey or anybody else, but Tunyon is probably like fourth on my list of those options uh, at, at tight end this week. Uh, but the reason that even, so this is really interesting because Tampa Bay, they don't allow a lot of, of uh, deep completions, which is why we didn't like MVS last week. Um, the the Saints didn't either. Tampa Bay they've allowed. I'm sorry. The um, not the Saints. Who did the Packers play last week? The Packers the, played the Rams. The Rams. The Rams were a team that didn't allow a lot of uh, co- uh, deep completions. Tampa Bay's allowed the six fewest deep completions, passes on on twenty or uh, or more air yards. But the difference is Tampa Bay, like we've already talked about with Rodgers, they blitz a lot. So the narrative that MVS could get loose is that the Packers just catch them uh, in a blitz. And and we've seen MVS really uh, pop on those big plays. So I think MVS and Lazard are 
a lot closer than they were last week. I think last week it was very clearly Lazard. I think if I'm making 20 lineups with um, with Packers double stacks, I would have eight with um, MVS, eight with Lazard, and maybe two with Tunyon. Obviously, Adams and and all of those if I'm if I'm stacking their offense. Uh, so I agree, it's a lot closer this week. I I still like Lazard a lot, but uh, MVS can definitely catch Tampa Bay um, when they're trying to pressure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I hate starting him. It's the worst. He's going to drop at least two touchdowns, but the thing is he might catch a touchdown. Yeah, I do think he'll be. I do think um, from a theory perspective, again, I haven't ran since we have an extra day. I haven't ran ownership numbers yet um because since there's no saturday game i'm, I'm gonna wait till friday for all the practice sports to come out just kind of off the top of my head i would guess that mvs is in like half as many lineups as lazard so Good. i mean there, there's a theory there's a theory idea there well yeah i mean that's that's the only reason why you'd start him mm-hmm. nobody yeah. likes starting no marquez valdez scantling but he got eight targets last week he got six targets uh t- two games ago that he was playing yeah. Even against and Chicago, he, he caught a touchdown. Yeah, and he's he's sub four K on on DK. So um, I mean, that obviously it's another avenue to again, like I, I talked about, Devontae, One of the big decisions is going to be had which two pr- probably the biggest decision or or what people are are building their lineups around or what are the two high end pass catchers um, that I'm rostering. So I mean, that alone is is another theory decision point people should be thinking about if everybody or the majority of lineups are going to be two high-end pass catchers how do i get unique do i do i get a third high-end pass catcher do i just like jam in three top end guys and to kind of extend on that idea i do think that the primary build or the most popular build will be a wide receiver in the flex so use that to your advantage for for when you're trying to get unique as well more i build this the more i'm looking at uh, double tight end and yeah, you mentioned no, that's Tunyon. definitely a that's definitely a way to go. Yeah, you mentioned Tunyon. We got Brait. Uh, Kelsey's obviously a guy that you're going to want to lock in there. We can talk mm-hmm. about him later. But let's move on to the running back position. Yep. Aaron Jones is 8K on FanDuel. Jamal Williams is 5K mm-hmm. on DraftKings. Jones is 6.5. Jamal is 4.4. We see Lafleur just riding the hot hand. I mean, why not Jamal Williams at this point? Like if AJ Dillon. Broke a couple big runs on his first two carries. He could get the work. So it's an uncomfortable start here, too, with Aaron Jones. But TJ has the highest ceiling on the slate, right? Has the highest ceiling, I guess. I, mean, I don't like him, the, but yeah. I guess he has the highest floor. I mean, again, this is just a, a really bad um, running back slate in terms of trying to, trying to project um, how it's going to shake out. I mean, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams essentially had a – uh, a timeshare last week with AJ Dylan sprinkled in, which which we got wrong because in week 17, Aaron Jones was like near 75% touch share. So they got in the playoffs and and that it went back to a timeshare. Uh, I mean, the, the big takeaway here with Jones and Williams is Aaron Jones is $3,000 more on FanDuel and $2,100 more on DraftKings. So from a value perspective, I have a really hard time looking at their share last week and saying that I want Jones um, over Williams if I'm trying to get those high-end pass catchers. Now, I, I do think by default, Jones will be um, the most popular running back. Again, there there there's only four offenses to choose from. So I think Jones probably approaches something like 
30 to 40 percent ownership um even at his inflated price just because people are going to look at all these running back shares or, or Devin singletary in a pass offense and not be excited but uh, I, I think probably if you're really committed to having contrarian builds, if this is more of a MME tactic, but if you're building 150 lineups, if you have more than half of them with Aaron Jones, you're going to be way overweight. Um, but again, from a value perspective, I got to go Williams. Williams is your guy there. Mm-hmm. I think value wise, there's no doubt about it. So on to the Bucks side, Tom mm-hmm. Brady, 7.8 on Fandle, 6.1 on DraftKings. Yep. He has been absolutely on fire, mm-hmm. and he has like a million guys to throw to, too. So yep. talk to me about Brady, and then let's get into who we're stacking him with. Yeah, um, looking at the matchup here, uh, in theory, there should be concerns about Brady. Green Bay is top five in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks and to wide receivers. The Packers are third in sack rate since week nine. Um, but at the same token, Brady, 26 fantasy points per game over the last five games, including the playoffs in that stretch, Tampa Bay's 37 points uh, per game uh, as a team. The thing that concerns me is that Tampa Bay has lived off turnovers. They have nine in that five game stretch, nine turnovers, obviously four of those uh, last week coming from breeze. But I don't know again, if they are, Aaron Rodgers has been playing so good overall and especially against pressure that if Rodgers isn't gifting this team turnovers, if they're not able to force turnovers like they have been over this stretch, is Tom Brady going to be able to sustain long drives against a Packers defense that's really good at preventing big plays and that has phenomenal uh, secondary and down the stretch has really been getting after the quarterback, like you said. So out of all four quarterbacks – I think Tom Brady is my least favorite. Now, again, from a DFS perspective, that also probably means a lot of people are looking at these things. He's probably going to be the lowest owned as well. Um, But, uh, I mean, there are clear concerns about Brady against this defense. Extremely clear concerns. I mean, I really like the way that the secondary is playing for Green Bay ever since they got their two studs back. King in particular has played very well. King has played great. Yeah, he's played very well. So, you know, whether it be Godwin, Evans, Gronk, Mm. Bray, you threw in Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown, that game-time decision is the tough one. So can we talk about that in particular? Like, because there's no salary pivot on that team um at what is he 5800 on Fandle, 4700 on DraftKings. like if you're playing yeah. him he's in the first game i guess you don't have to worry about it that much right because you can just swap it out right there but the question is who are we swapping him with yeah i, I think probably if you if you're in a situation where you are tight on salary like one of the one of the big strategies is to just leave salary on the table to get mm-hmm. unique on the like i think on a two-game slate you can leave 1200 1500 of salary um on the table and still be fine just in terms of trying to get unique we saw that on the thanksgiving slate that alone uh separated the winner from the field just switching to a defense that was a thousand dollars less but if you are in a situation where you use all of your salary and you have antonio uh brown rostered I think you need to have him. He's you can't have him as your your primary um, stacking option, or you have to have him 
in your flex. Uh, the only way it's really going to work if you're using all of your salary and hoping you get Brown is if you flex down to Gronk or if you go to a wide receiver in the later games that's cheaper. So you're going to be breaking up your stack. So I would say um, if you if you are using all of your salary and you're using Antonio Brown, I wouldn't do it as a uh, primary on a in a primary Tampa Bay stack because you're going to break up that correlation that you tried to build unless you flex him and go down to Gronk. All right, so running backs now. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's discounting Fournette because Ronald Jones is back. I know a lot of guys at one of my other shops are all yeah. over Ronald Jones this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that at 7,200, Fournette on FanDuel is not going to be that popular. I think on 5,300 on DK should be a little bit more popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about ownership projections? Just off the top of your head here, we're sitting here on what, Thursday morning doing this, mm-hmm. but is Jones going to get a lot more ownership than Fournette? No? Uh, I, I think probably with CEH practicing that mm-hmm. Fournette's ownership is going to get, um, pushed down a little bit. Not that they're necessarily close in price, but I just think in terms of that, how close are they on DraftKings? They're pretty close on DraftKings. They're about a thousand dollars apart on Fandle. But I think just from people looking at the slate and trying to figure out which players they like at the position, I think with, um, if with CH practicing Wednesday and probably probably playing, he'll push Leonard Fournette's ownership down a little bit. But I d- do still think, based on the fact that Fournette outsnapped, outtouched, outtargeted Jones last week, and people are still unsure about Jones's health, that if we're just looking at this game, that Fournette will outpace Jones by, I, w- I would say like a, a healthy margin. If it was like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like. 25% to 15% or something like that in favor of Fournette. But with that, Green Bay's faced the sixth highest rush rate in neutral situations this season. That isn't a surprise with how good their secondary is. So I do like Jones as well, just because you're paying less salary and you're just betting on him overtaking that leading role that he's had for a huge chunk of the season and lost because of injuries. So I, I think from theory perspective, it's a really good idea to be Jones is probably the running back that I'll be most heavy on this week. Okay. Okay. Then we got uh, the defenses to get to the Packers, 4,400 FanDuel, Tampa Bay, 3,700. Green Bay 3,600 on DK, Tampa Bay 2,700 DK. I need some strategy here from you. I mean, um, at this point, I mean, you- defense on these slates is really like you should be matching it up with how you're building Mm -hmm. your rosters so i mean if if you have a narrative that's really heavy on on a green bay blowout um or you're just really like running backs uh having a big game with some defense correlation go there but for just from a standalone perspective i think green bay is my favorite defense uh overall hmm Okay. Just because they've been getting after the quarterback so good lately, and this Bills Chiefs game is um, isn't one that I think is going to set up for huge defensive fireworks. So with the Packers getting after the quarterback like they have been, uh, if I have to pick one out of four, especially with them being the most expensive, I think people are going to be looking to save salary at defense. Um, I really like them. Okay, let's move on to the second game we have here, and that would be the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, Let's just start with Mahomes. He's practiced these first two days yep. a week. I'm under the assumption he's going to play. I'm under the assumption he's going to play. I assume that the, the second he got hurt, there's no way he's sitting out the championship game. 
the concussion is obviously worrisome uh, from a real-life point of view. From a fantasy perspective, I think the toe is a way bigger uh, impact on this game. Um, if he's limited, like if it is straight, I don't think we've got word that is actually turf toe. Um, but if it is, and he is really limited to the pocket, that changes the entire dynamic of this game. You I saw mean, him run well, for like 20 yards after that injury though, you know, I mean, I that? know it hurts and I know it's yeah, like a really yeah. bad injury, but this dude's going to be so jacked up. I'm for not, sure. I'm not worried. I, about I mean, if, if it just, if, but even if it's something where, he doesn't pull it down a couple times or or a couple errant throws because he's planting on this big toe. I mean, I, I think it has um, a bigger impact on the game uh, than than anything else, um, or at least in the concussion. Okay, so what are we doing, Mahomes? Here, we're fine with Mahomes, right? We're throwing him in there. Yeah, we're stacking this game heavily on both sides. The similar to what we talked about earlier, the. The, the question is going to be how heavily are you stacking um, these games and who are going to be your unique pieces. So on the Kansas City side, there, like you talked about, there's enough salary to, to be as um, flexible as you want. And for most of the season, stacking Mahomes-Kelsey-Hill together is almost impossible. It's very possible from a salary perspective uh, this week, but... It's there, that doesn't change the concept of spending that much salary on one offense. Um, you basically need not only them to be the best offense of the week, but if you're playing all three together, you need them to hit perfectly uh, for that. It's just very, very hard for that to happen. So I think f- my primary build would to be pick Kelsey or Hill with Mahomes. Uh, the bills they are going to limit the deep ball like they have all season. And going all the way back to that week six game, uh, Stephen Ruiz of USA Today pointed out that Buffalo didn't blitz once in that game. Hmm. It's the only time in five seasons in the next-gen era that a team had 0% blitz rate. Uh and basically, the Bills just, they were willing to sit back and keep everything in front of them, not get beat by Hill, not get beat by quick scores. Um, and obviously, Mahomes is good enough to, to pick any defense apart, but especially just with that little question mark of Mahomes' abil- uh, mobility, I think the Bills are willing to roll out that game plan again. I'm not saying they're going to blitz zero times, but they've rolled out a ton of these zone shell coverages where they keep everything in front of them. So basically that is saying that it makes sense that this is another Travis Kelsey game, not a Tyreek Hill game. Yeah, I'm just screwing around here watching this. Uh, Like usually DraftKings, you can't get Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey Mm -hmm. in, and this is the week to do it. So, yeah, I mean, because you can, you, there's, there's lots of, obviously you can go double cheap um, running back. You can flex a cheap tight end. Uh, I mean, and then you can just save salary uh, with another ancillary player and a cheap defense. It's, it's, it's very doable this week, uh, just from, again, from a theory perspective and against how the Bills are going to play, it's going to be really hard for Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey all to hit their ceilings uh, together and for them to outdo their salary by such a big number um, that, that that works. Tremendous point, TJ. Tremendous point. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, let's go to him. 
Yeah, on the Bills side, uh, I think out of all of the offenses, we talked about um, we talked about Green Bay that uh, you have some flexibility with either Lazard or MVS. Um, but I think if people are stacking them, they're still going to be double stacking Brady. I think they're a single stack offense. You just got to hope that you hit with one of them. We like Godwin the most there. I think Josh Allen. Obviously, everything starts with Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is on Devonte Adams' heels in terms of target share, 29% for the season, 29% um, in two playoff games. But Josh Allen gives you the most flexibility in terms of trying to be unique with your stacks. Kansas City's bottom five in schedule-adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, and Allen, there are just so many different ways you can approach this offense. Uh, obviously, like we saw last week, a, a single stack with Diggs where Diggs just absorbs all of the targets that's going to work against this secondary. Uh, you can onslaught against the Kansas City secondary, Josh Allen. Uh, he doesn't always have games where he gets it done with his legs. We've seen games where he goes for like 350 and four. Um, you could throw the running back Devin Singletary into those onslaughts because he will catch patches, uh, catch, catch passes. Uh, the Bills are deep enough where we've seen their ants, unlike the Chiefs, we've seen Bills ancillary pass catchers work, whether it be Gabriel Davis, who's questionable, Cole Beasley, who's hobbled, um, or Dawson Knox. And on top of that, you can get super contrarian with Josh Allen and roll out a naked Josh Allen, hope that he rushes for two, Diggs doesn't score, and none of the pass catchers have like huge games. Like Everybody's just kind of in that 50 to 60-yard range, and one of them scores a touchdown. Josh Allen gets it done with his legs a lot. So Josh Allen just gives you the most flexibility in terms of how you can be creative with the stacks. Yeah, I like it a lot. Diggs, 8,300 FanDuel, 7K on DK. You were talking about that. Mm -hmm. Beasley's got to be in the mix. John Brown's yeah. in the mix. I mean, Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox could catch touchdowns. Yeah. Um, uh, not as much on the... Now, I'm not as much on the Isaiah McKenzie trend here. I just think there needs to be an injury there. But again, you're so making the point. If you're on the field, you got to be in play in a two-game slate. Yeah, we, this is one situation that we do have to watch if you're trying to figure out which which secondary pass catcher to pair um, with Josh Allen in your big stacks. Gabriel Davis didn't practice on Wednesday. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. I haven't seen official practice reports yet from this game for Thursday. Um, Cole Beasley didn't look 100%. Gabriel Davis not practicing. If Gabriel Davis is out and Cole Beasley is a little bit hobbled, Isaiah McKenzie, 70% of his snaps came in the slot, so we could see him rotating with Beasley in three wide receiver sets in that slot if Gabriel Davis is out. So he could be a really interesting dart throw. Um, Dawson Knox is he's an option as a um, as either a flex or as a pivot off of Kelsey. The Chiefs are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, but the, the, the main one, the guy that, that we should be overweight on, is John Brown. We saw 11 targets last week. Gabriel Davis got hurt in that first quarter. I don't. I think a lot of the reason we didn't see McKenzie rotated in is because we just they didn't expect to be without Gabriel Davis. So they kind of went with the guys that had uh, that were ready to play that had been practicing this week. They didn't have preparation for no Davis. Um, but Brown saw 11 targets. Casey's uh, allowed the six most deep completions uh, this year. That sets up for John Brown. So John Brown. Goose egg uh, in the wild card round, only 60 yards on 11 targets last week. Uh, I, I don't think he'll be low-owned because people will be looking at this game, but he will be under-owned for what he should be. And uh, Alan Diggs 
Brown is my favorite three-man stack here. Ooh, I like that. Uh, what are you doing at the running game here? Devin Singletary? Yeah, I mean, he, he's he, the only way I'm really using Devin Singletary is, um, again, like I, you can use him in an onslaught with Josh Allen and hope that he catches one of the touchdowns. Um, obviously, touchdown variants can go a running back's way. We saw last week, even at his super depressed salary, 4,500 on DraftKings, 5,800 on FanDuel, they barely ran the ball. Um, now, the, the Ravens are a much better run defense than the Chiefs. You can run against the Chiefs, but there is a lot of risk with using Singletary as a core play for whatever reason you are playing 50-50s or, or cash games or something. I'm, I'm not using Singletary as a core play. I think he works as a contrarian play in chief stacks if you're heavily stacking the chiefs and want a contrarian bring back bring back singletary and hope that he falls in for a couple and we already That's talked about f- the chiefs with Mahomes and kelsey and hill yep. when i was talking about building my own thing but there's some yep. other notes too right uh, yeah to get to. yeah Watkins um did practice on wednesday so if he comes back that obviously throws a big wrench into how these um, secondary players can go. We've seen Hardman third in routes uh, with Watkins out, uh, caught a deep ball last week. The the Bills, again, they don't give up a lot of deep ball, so even if Watkins is out, uh, Miko Hardman has... He uh, practiced sh- again, dude. Yeah, he, Watkins practiced again today. Like so, today, so he's, yeah. he's on his... I think for, him and CEH are both going to play. Yeah, so, I mean, just because the... The Bills don't give up a lot of deep balls. Probably Watkins is my preferred play there. I mean, in this matchup in week six, Watkins didn't play either. And uh, Demarcus Robinson saw six targets on nine a season-high 95% of snaps. Again, if Watkins plays, that goes out the window. So if my dart throw, if Watkins plays, would be Watkins over Hardman. I'm with you. I really like Sammy Watkins this week. If he does end up playing, if he's not there, I guess Demarcus Robinson's there. Mm-hmm. Hardman, obviously at 5,300 FanDuel, 4,000 on DK. And then the running game. Yep. So now we've got Le'Veon sitting out with a knee. Uh, he was not really involved at all. It was mostly sure. the Daryl Williams show. So to me, if you're playing Williams, you're just playing him with the hopes that Clyde Edwards, Elair does not finish the game because he's going to get the work. I think CEH works more um, as a standalone play or on chiefs uh, stacks. Mm -hmm. CEH did see 26 rushes in the first game. Again, Bill's sitting back, keeping everything in front of them. Um, Not a great, uh, a good run defense, uh, even if they aren't, focusing in on that game plan so it makes sense that ch would get a lot of work um against that type of defense he, he did practice um biggest fantasy game of the season was against this bills team uh daryl williams he makes sense more i think in in bills um stacks as a contrarian bring back we've seen williams get a lot of the passing down work and if they are in a situation where uh for whatever reason that the bills obviously everything is in the range of outcomes if bills get up by a couple scores i think we could see more williams um in that passing game and, and again that would even set up even more if bills get up big to be playing soft coverages uh that, and if mahomes 
is limited with that toe, not as mobile as usual. Um, that's more more shorter passes. So I like Williams more in uh, Bill stacks, whereas I like Ceh more in Chief stacks. Ooh, look at that! Yeah. Fancy defenses again. We already talked about this. This we're, we're you're gonna use whatever game script and plug the defense in. Yep, I I I actually. Not even just like a, a homer or fanboy pick. I like the Bills to win this game. Um, but even if you are setting up your lineups uh, in that fashion, the Bills are going to be conservative. Obviously, they got that pick six to the house against Baltimore last week. You're not going to get a 102-yard touchdown return um, in, in every game. The Chiefs are going to be more risky. They're going to blitz more. Uh so they do set themselves up better for for big fantasy games. So from a fantasy pers- fantasy perspective, I do like the Chiefs defense more than the Bills in this one. All right, very good. I think that's it, buddy. The whole season just is gone. I didn't even get burnt out this year. There, there was no, <laughs> no week no. which which I got burnt out. I was so no, excited was, about every game. It, it was it was a, a a really fun season as always. Um, thank you uh, to you to the to the four for four staff everybody that makes all this possible uh, shout out to our producer, Dave Piper, who we never talked about. He makes my job extremely easy. So give uh, Piper um, a follow on, on Twitter. Dog. I always tweet him out. Yeah. And uh, I mean, thank you to all the listeners. We appreciate you guys. This thing keeps growing um, every year. It's, it's, it's really the highlight of my week. So much of my week is just pounding away content. So to be able to talk about this stuff uh, is, is really fun and, and getting the feedback from people that, are are winning and enjoying what we're doing it really is a treat i mean getting playing dfs you get in this like space where even your big wins don't feel like big wins just because you're doing it every week so like getting the the tweets and and the screenshots from from fans and listeners that are doing well it really is a huge high for me and i think probably for you too holden so yeah um, yeah so so thank you guys uh like you said, this is the last one of the season. Who knows when we'll be back? We we teased some best ball stuff last year and never ended up doing it. Maybe this year. Uh, got a lot of uh, stuff already going on at four for four. So um, what do we I got mean, going on? Is, Tell we, me. We, we we just brought on uh, Sam Hoppin to do some data stuff for Love us. It. He's gonna be he's gonna be doing some awesome DFS correlation tools. And we just uh, extended Connor um, Connor Allen's role. He's gonna be doing a lot more betting stuff for us. He's officially our our lead of um, I don't know the official title, but he's he's our lead betting guy now. So he's gonna be working on on some stuff for that all off season. Uh, so so keep your eyes glued to our twitters. Um, who knows when exactly we'll be back with the podcast but we do have a showdown slate from jeff hicks that will be available the week of the super bowl i'm sure connor and the guys will have tons of betting and prop stuff leading up to the super bowl so um make sure you're checking that stuff out uh we'll always be around on the twitters holden's at holden radio um i'm at tj hernandez four 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 football holden any last words for the listeners before we sign off for the season? Just thank you for listening. Yeah. Really appreciate it. I love doing this show with you, TJ. It's always been a blast. I yeah, love working with 4 for 4 with you guys. I know my role. You know, I had to go some other places to to uh, make some money, but I'm still doing this with you. I love doing this show. And yeah, that's, that's it. I tied Raybon for shows. I might have <laughs> yeah, actually done yeah, one, you one are, more than him. You're at, you probably, with our off-season work, you're probably officially done yeah. more DFS MVPs uh, than Raybon. Take so, that, Raybon. <laughs> uh, shout out to Raybon. So happy uh, end of our sixth season DFS MVP. 
Good luck to everybody. We will talk to you guys next year. Yo, the best to check your neck. First things first, man. You f- with the worst. I'll be sticking pins in your head like a f- nurse. I'll attack any n- slack in this map. Come fully packed with the fat brother stack. Shame on you when you step through two. The old dirty bastard straight from the Brooklyn Zoo. And I'll be damned if I let any man come to my center. You enter the winter straight up and down that shit. Damn, you can't slam. Don't let me get fooled on the man. The old dirty bastard is dirty and stinking. They saw unique rolling with the knife of the creeps. The n- be rolling when the stars ain't saying gas. Bite my style, I bite your motherfucker. My style is wild, so book me. Not long is how long that this rhyme took me. Ejected styles from my lead.